So you're in First Chronicles 29. Let's read that one more time before we leave that to go to another passage. And all these verses, we're going to go to six passages all together, and I'm going to ask you to read them with me. But First Chronicles 29, one more time, ready? Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. All right, now turn, if you would please, to Psalm 98. Psalm 98, and I think as we read these verses, you're going to see a pattern here. You're going to see a common theme. Psalm 98, and the very first verse, Psalm 98. Verse number one. Ready? Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. All right, now turn over to the book of John and chapter 16. John 16. And verse number 33. John sixteen thirty three. ready? These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. All right, now turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Let me encourage you, don't just read these verses, but take them in comprehend. Let them fill your heart. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You need to learn how to do that, how to soak it in. First Corinthians 15, we're going to read verses 54, 55, and 57. First Corinthians 15, verses 54, 55, and 57. Ready? So in this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn please to 1 John Chapter 5. Two more passages. 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, and here we will read verses 4 and 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Ready? For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Last one, Revelation 17 and verse number 14. Revelation 17 and verse number 14. Revelation 17, 14. Ready? 
These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Praise the Lord. Now, if you, if you didn't notice, every passage we read is about God being victorious. If you have watched the excerpt of the summit video, and if you haven't, I hope you will. And please don't fall into the trap. And it's a fleshly trap, it's a pride trap that uh, makes you say, well, if I wasn't a part of it, it's not important. Just watch it. And I, I think, and it is 23 minutes long, but I would urge you to watch it and maybe watch it again and maybe a third time. And I don't mean right in a row, but as close together as you can. And I would guess if you let yourself be captivated, you know, listen, we let ourselves be captivated by movies. We let ourselves be captivated by by sports. If you let yourself be captivated by this, I would be surprised if by the third time you don't find yourself getting at least a little bit emotional. Now, it's hard for me to judge because, honestly, watching it, I'm, I'm watching it as somebody who was there. And so I'm re-experiencing what I, what I experienced when I was there. But I would be surprised if you watch it with a sincere attitude, if you don't wind up getting emotional after you've seen it a couple of times. The central theme of that excerpt, and you've heard some of the, the, the live audio that you've been hearing playing. There's only five songs in this rotation, so if you come at all early or stay at all after church, you, you've heard it. The central theme is our God is victorious. He always wins. That's what blew the roof off the other night. Our God is victorious. He always wins. So I'm sort of preaching the message tonight on the assumption that you've already heard that, you've already been there a little bit. If you haven't, frankly, I'm not laying much of a foundation for you, and I'm sorry. But the idea that our God is victorious, he always wins, he always wins. And the song spells it out. But then the preacher who didn't preach, Brother Tony Shirley, got up and he made application. He said, look, there's people in this room that you don't feel like you're winning right now. You know God always wins, but you don't feel like you're winning right now. And he said, I assure you, your God always wins, even when you think he's not. And then he had... The choir sing it again, and he said, if you know any part of the song, sing it with them. And So the central theme, our God is victorious, he always wins. Here's a question I want to ask and answer tonight. What does that mean to me? Now, I don't, I don't mean to make us all sound selfish, but at the end of the day, when we learn a scriptural truth, it's just natural for us to say, that is great. What does that mean to me? You know, we've been studying the attributes of God here. We, we studied them for a number of months on Sunday nights. And I tried to put a practical application at the end 
of at least every message and as much as possible every attribute of God. Oh, God is glorious. That's great. What does that mean to me? God is faithful. That's awesome. How does that help me? And I don't, we're, not, we're not as selfish as I'm making that sound. I think it's actually a right response for us to say, hey, how do I put that to work? How does that help me tomorrow? How does that get me through the day? How does that help me be victorious in my challenges? So I want to answer that for you tonight. I don't get nervous. I got my eye on the clock. I want to help my volleyball friends. But I do have 10 applications for that tonight. Oh, God help us, Dan. Have mercy. 10 quick applications. What does it mean for me that God always wins? First of all, it means that I always want to be on God's side. I always want to be on God's side. Now, be very careful because there is a huge difference between I always want to be on God's side and I want God on my side. We so easily fall into the trap of I want God on my side. We studied on Wednesday nights, we learned about a man called a man named Constantine. And he fell into the trap of, I want God on my side. Constantine was the emperor of Rome. Rome ruled the world. The emperor before Constantine was a heavy persecutor of the Christian church. And he watched as Christian churches were being crushed by the emperor. Constantine observed this. And he saw that the more that the churches were persecuted, the more they flourished. Everybody else that Rome tried to crush, they crushed. But when Rome tried to crush the Christians, they flourished. So when Constantine became the emperor... He said, I want that on my side. And so he called a council. He invited the churches to come to the council, and he sought to merge Christianity with the Roman state. Now, a lot of the churches didn't attend. They said, no way! That's not Christianity. But a lot of the churches did attend. And that right there is the beginning, the official beginning of the Roman Catholic Church. But Constantine made the mistake of saying, hey, the Christian's God, he's, he always wins. So I want him on my side. If we're not careful, we'll make that same mistake. We should not seek to get God on our side. We should hunger and thirst and strive to be on God's side. What's the difference? When God's on my side, we're still running on my agenda. When I'm on God's side, I'm running on his agenda. There's the difference. And put it down, my agenda is never, ever, ever going to be God's agenda. 
I'm saying, you know, I'm not ever going to be so wonderful that my plans, my ambitions, my agenda, I go, oh, look at there. It's exactly the same as God's is. Never going to happen. If I'm going to be on God's side, see, if God's, if, if God's going to be on my side, which you're not going to succeed at that anyway, but if God's going to be on your side, you still get to hang on to your fleshly and your pride-driven agenda. But if you're going to be on God's side, you're going to have to let go of your fleshly pride-driven agenda. And you're going to have to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? So what does it mean for me? It means, number the fact that God always wins me, number one, I always want to be on God's side. Folks, when you get out of sorts with God, you're shooting yourself in the foot. When you get out of sorts with God's people, with God's program, with God's church, you are shooting yourself in the foot. I shared this with my adult class this morning. I want to share it with you. Don't miss this. In Brother Doug Fisher's pastor session this week, when you're in Brother Fisher's pastor sessions, I've probably been in a dozen of them in different places over the years. You're almost always going to wind up either talking about Saul or Korah. He always gets there one way or another. And this past week, he, he got to both. But he took us to Korah. Korah, of course, is the man you remember who he led a bunch of men in, in Israel uh, to, to rise up against Moses. He said, Moses, who do you think you are? You take too much upon yourself. And Moses, the meekest man on earth, said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm the servant of the Lord. You've taken too much upon yourself to rise up against the servant of the Lord. The end of the story is Korah and the men who followed them and their wives and their daughters and their sons. And it says the little children are in their tents. And Moses says to everybody else, back away. If you're not with Korah, back away. I don't mean to make light of this, but I mean, this is, this is if you watch old westerns, and I've watched way too many old westerns, there's always that moment where two guys are, or four, four guys are playing poker, and the one guy says, you're cheating. And what happens? Everybody clears out. Moses says, if you're not with Korah, move away. And there's Korah and his gang and all their families and all the rest of Israel backs off. And we all know what happened. The earth opened up and swallowed them. Here's something I never saw before. Brother Fisher pointed out. Brother Fisher was making the point. When people cause trouble, and leave your church and take their kids with them, if the kids ever want to come back to an activity or whatever, you let them. Don't get so so messed up at the parents that you don't let their kids survive. But here's what he said. don't, Don't lose this picture. There's Korah and his family all the way down to the little children and all those other families and their children standing in the door of their tents waiting for the ground to open up and swallow them up. 
Direct one-way flight to hell. Brother Fisher said, you know what I see when I look at those little children standing in the doorway of the tent? I see children that should have grown up to march around the walls of Jericho. But they never did because of what their parents did to them. Their parents indoctrinated them against Moses, and so instead of marching around Jericho, they got a one-way ticket to the pit. I say to you again, when you get out of sorts with God's work, you shoot yourself in the foot, you shoot your children in the foot, you shoot your children's children in the foot. I always want to be on God's side. Second thing it means when it says our God is victorious, he always wins. Number one, what does that mean to me? Number one, I always want to be on God's side. Secondly, I must be careful not to assume that I'm on God's side. Now, if you're saved, if you're born again, you are on God's side enough to get to heaven. But if you're not living close to God, you're not on God's side enough for him to bless you tomorrow. You're not on God's side enough. If you're, you're saved, but you're not close to God, the key word is we're going to find out in a minute, is surrendered. You're not surrendered to God. You are not on God's side enough to expect his grace in your life. God resisteth the proud. How, what greater manifestation is there of pride than I'm going to be my own God. I don't need him. And there are Christians who live that way. I don't, God, I don't care what you say. I'm, I'm doing it my way. I don't care what you require of me. Listen, that, that, they would never admit it, but that's almost the doctrine of the modern Christian church. It's not about what God wants. It's about what I want. It's not about what God says. It's about what I decide. He came to make me happy. Mrs. Osteen said. You're not, if you're not on God's side, that's not enough to expect to win in your, in your efforts of life. I must be careful not to assume that I'm on God's side. Also, it means this, number three, even when it seems like God's side is losing, we're winning. Praise the Lord. Listen, when Jesus said to the disciples, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, (laughs) he was hours away from being arrested, found guilty, and crucified. Can't you just see the disciples to whom he had said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, sitting there scratching their head a couple days later going, what do you mean by that? (laughs) As they're hiding in Jerusalem while Jesus' body lay in the grave? Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. How do you you reconcile those two things? How do you reconcile those words with those circumstances? Have you ever had trouble reconciling God's words with your circumstances? Understand this. If God always wins, even when it seems like God's side is losing, we're winning. 
Number four, it means to me that God's definition of victory overrules my definition of victory. One thing you learn about growing in grace is that your definition of success and victory is almost always wrong. God always wins. It means, number five, if I'm totally surrendered to God, I am guaranteed to win. Oh, my goodness. Now we're coming into where, where you find your way into victory. If I, first of all, do you really believe that God always wins? He never loses. Now, you know, there's all kinds of fiction out there. You know, Clint Eastwood, ultimately, he always wins. John Wayne, ultimately, he always wins. Jason Bourne, he ultimately always wins. You know that's fiction, right? But God does always win. That's not fiction. That's why it's very important for us to not only understand, but truly in our hearts believe God always wins. Because once you believe that, then you're ready to go to this. If I'm totally surrendered to God, I am guaranteed to win. But their key, the key word there is surrender. Oh, before you get on your knees and start asking for stuff, and, and I'm all for getting on your knees and asking for stuff. But before you get on your knees and ask God for what you think you need, and, and by the way, you probably very legitimately do need, spend some time in this place. Oh, God, teach me to surrender to you. Oh, God. Teach me, lead me, show me how to fully surrender to you. I am thine, O Lord. I surrender all. Oh, it's so important that we live in that place where we are pleading with God. God, please show me. Show me that part of my heart that is not surrendered to you. Show me that part of my will. Show me those ambitions. Show me those dreams that are not surrendered to you. I know this is not pop culture Christianity, but it's Bible Christianity. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. God always wins. What does that mean to me? It means if I'm fully surrendered to God, I am winning even when it seems like I'm losing. You can count on it. When you're living for God, there's going to be lots of times where it seems like you're losing. I don't even need to expound on that. I could. We could go there. We could illustrate that. We could stay there for a while. But you've lived it enough that you don't need me to illustrate that. <laughs> you could say, yeah, you're right, Pastor. There's plenty of times where it seems like I'm losing. If I'm fully surrendered to God, I'm winning even when it seems like I'm losing. But don't miss this, number seven. When I am lined up with God and I can't figure out what's going on in my life, I can count on it, God is bringing me to victory. 
I knelt at the altar Monday night after the very first, no, before. The preaching hadn't even started yet. I took my wife's hand. We went to the altar at the beginning of the first session. And here was my prayer. I said, Lord, I don't ever remember a time in my life when I had no, uh, when I had so many problems and zero solutions. I like solutions. I like to plug in solutions to problems as quickly as I can. And Tuesday night, I knelt there and I said, God, I don't remember in all of my years a time when I had so many problems and zero solutions. Now, what God taught me, a whole long list of things that God put in my heart this week, but the capstone of it was, hey, you're working for me and I always win. You're working for me and I always win. And by the way, he has started putting dents in some of those problems, big dents. Somebody in our congregation that definitely is not one of the big-time givers. And I don't know who gives what, but I know who. Some people come to me and tell me what they make. And they tell me what they get. I had a guy one time just held out his 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 check stubs to show me this is my salary this is my bonus check and I'll be tithing on it and I say thank you brother <laughs> god bless you this was not what this is not one of those people this is one of those people that I've had say to me I would tithe but I can't afford it I don't have any money and of course I walked them through the the right way of thinking on that last sunday said to me whatever the alternator costs for the van we hadn't bought it yet Whatever the alternator costs, I'll pay for it. And I almost wanted to talk him out of it. Are you sure? Are you crazy? Whatever the alternator costs, I'll pay for it. Got the old, my father fixed it, got the new alternator in, the, the van, the alternator is running fine. Sure enough, this morning, I peeled off a $100 bill and a $50 bill. I said, man, did you win the lottery? What's going on? Handed it to me. So, hey, there's a problem off the list in the van paid for. Steering column. Brother Steve calls me from his hospital bed the other night. By the way, we had several of you looking for a steering box. Steering box, actually. Have several of you looking for it. He got a friend near Harrisburg, and his whole ministry is he's got a junkyard, and he rebuilds cars and lets missionaries use them while they're in deputation. And he has two buses with two different steering boxes. And he's, once we figure out which one is the right one, he's going to give it to us. Well, we, we were pricing them, and they started at $500. So we not only had the solution handed to us, it's handed to us free. God always wins. He just, he starts... Knocking out the solutions. This morning after church, somebody said, hey, that water heater. Now, I haven't priced one recently, but I replaced two at my house, and they were both of my, remember, am I right, uh, Rob, $800 price range, basically? Person walking out this morning said, I'll have, a, I'll have a water heater in there by the end of the week. I'll take care of it. He always wins. 
When I'm lined up with God, I can't figure out what's going on. I can count on that God's bringing me to victory. I want to tell a story so bad, but, but I really shouldn't put it like on the record. You know what I mean? But, you know, we're praying about something as a church. And I watched something with my own eyes yesterday. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a big change. And I've been begging God, Lord, please show me. What, what, show me what's going on. There's been a major change in what we've been praying about. What's going on? God said, you've done everything you can do. I always win. I always win. When I'm lined up with God and I can't figure out what's going on in my life, I can count on it. God's bringing me to victory. Three more, we're done. Number uh, eight, it's not my job to make victory happen. It's my job to stay close to the God who always wins. I can't make victory happen. Hey, there's going to be people that on a, on a human playing field level, they're going to come after you and they're going to think they've won. And they're going to walk away. <laughs> And you're going to, and Satan's going to tell you, ah, you got, you got your tail kicked, buddy. By the way, when you act like a Christian, a lot of times it looks like you lose. It's not my job to pull out the victory. It's my job to stay close to him. He always wins. Number nine, the God who always wins, I love this, will not lead his children to defeat. Oh, how many times have I said to some new believer or young believer or, or, or immature believer that's just going crazy with fear? Stay close to God. He's got you. Yeah, but stay close to God. Yeah, but you're, look it. I mean, it's like Peter looking at the waves instead of looking at Jesus. Yeah, but look it. And by the way, we all do the same thing. Yeah, but look. Stay close to God. He always wins. He will not lead his children to defeat. Do you believe that? The God who always wins will not lead his children to defeat. And there are people in this room in desperate situations. Your God loves you. He's your father. You're his child. He always wins. He will not lead you to defeat. Last of all, my greatest need is always to be 100% with God. That's your greatest need tonight. It's my greatest need tonight. To always be 100% with God. Listen, you're not always going to cross all your T's exactly right. You're not always going to dot all your I's exactly right. Sometimes you're going to dot your T's and cross your I's. God's not counting on you and crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's exactly right. He's counting on you to stay close to him, be on his side, stay surrendered to him. He always wins and he will take you to victory. Take your songbook. This will be our invitation song.